In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and kunons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's December 2nd, 2011, and you're listening to episode 20, oh my god, yeah. of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you curled up in a nice big bed where we're ready for a nap. Yeah, and have manservants <laughs> deliver us nice, rich, hot chocolates. Oh, that sounds nice. Particularly considering it's been a cold, wet week. Yes, we got uh, wet snow. Yes. Twice. I was watching it the other day, coming down. Good old Canadian snow that goes sideways. Yep. Now when it starts sticking, then I will be a happy camper. Yeah. I remember when my brother first came to university in Canada. Mm -hmm. His very first winter, he called me at work one day, and he's in Ottawa, so it gets colder there sooner. Yeah. He's like, the snow is going up! Yes. Like, yes, dear. It's kind of like being inside a snow globe. Yes, it goes... Snow doesn't just go down. that push it up, yes. It goes sideways, it goes up, it goes wherever the hell it, it wants. It dances all over the place. <laughs> Which is really pretty, like... Oh, yes, it is. Especially when... Anyone who lives... Flakes. Yes, when it's like big clumps of snowflakes. Anyone who doesn't live in an area where you don't get snow... I don't know if you know this or if you've ever seen this on TV or whatever, but there is something certainly magical But when it's snowing and you get little drifts that go up and swirl around. Yeah. And, and especially when it's when it's not really windy, but it's just enough to get nice little drifts that lightly swirl around. Like, think of a feather on the breeze. And believe it or not, when it does snow, it actually encourages the temperature to be warmer. Yeah. It can't so be. It's, it's actually it, very There is such a thing as too cold to snow. Yeah. It has to be around freezing or a little bit below. As some of my international housemates in university found out the hard way. But yes, I'm sure we'll have more stories as the winter goes on about weather. Oh, and before I forget, and I've got, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but what the hell. A story about winter and snow and international students? Yes. My mother. Okay, people, remember, grew up in the Caribbean. My mother, straight from the islands, goes to a Canadian university in Ottawa. And one night, she's in the shower... And her roommate bangs on the bathroom door, says, It's snowing outside, it's snowing, I wanted to let you know. What does my mother do? Wraps a towel around herself, goes outside. Oh, dear God. She hasn't liked snow since, for some reason. Wow, I wonder why. Okay, tangent over. <laughs> but of course, now that it's getting nice and cold and wet, that just means... Knitting goodness. Yes. Woolly, soft, and snuggly Warm knitting goodness. goodness. So, adventures in knitting for this week? Okay, well, I have... Da, 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 da. One! One paper moon sock. Uh, 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 uh. And it is soft. And I, pretty. I scored with this yarn. It is nice and soft. Yeah. What yarn is it again? This is the Kalinda socks that I got when I went to Connecticut in the summer. And it's called Woodsy and it was a local dyer. And I did a stretchy bind off at the top. Yes. So that was something I learned as well. And they fit rather nicely. You were just trying them on. Yep. They look rather nice. They do look a ni- just look like a nice, cozy, warm. Yeah. Suck. I think I'll have to do this pattern. And it's so easy to memorize. <laughs> yeah. That, I think like that's one of the uh... reasons why that sock happens so easily is because I went through a couple pattern rounds of following the chart, you know, and the instructions. And next thing I know, I know this. 
just mm-hmm. kept going and going and going and like it's like we... a simple four stitch cable and with garter stitch in the middle yeah yep there's only one mistake in it i know where it is nobody else has to know where it is and i think this was because this mistake happened at knit night and we were discussing the sparkle pyre at the time yes so that is blame the sparkle pyre yeah i blame the sparkle pyre for the mistake so that's one and because my christmas knitting is now done Yay! I have become a little project slut. Bow chicka wow wow. And some needles that Karen let me piggyback order. This is the first time I've had two millimeter needles. Yep. And these are the Chowgoo ones? The Chowgoo lace needles. And you know what? Now I really see what you mean about the ends. The joints? They are so smooth. I could barely tell because I really, really wanted to love the harmonies that I have upstairs because of the wood and the colors and Mm -hmm. everything. But they were a little bit sticky at the joints. Yeah, I found I found it can be with the Knit Picks ones. Some of them are really good. Some of them are not quite as good. It also depends on the size of the needle itself. Yeah. These I love. These I really, really love. Yeah, they're nice and pointy too. And I am making, this is from Knitty. I am, I don't know how to pronounce this and it's probably is going to, oh. There's a little pronunciation guide. I can't read. Would you call that Maeva? Uh, Maeva. Maeva. I'm probably going to lose, you know, my Scott points. Yeah. For whatever, but because it's covered in what looks like Celtic Maeva? brocade. Maeva. Whatever. There's, M- I, think, I think the A, there's nothing to distinguish what that A should sound like. M-A-E-V-A. And it's by Stephanie Bold. And it ba- pretty much looks like this Celtic, not worky lattice work that covers your instep and goes to either side of the gusset. And the rest of it is a pretty simple stocking net and ribbing. And it kind of looks like you're wearing Celtic slippers almost. Yeah. That was one of the things I really liked about it. It's labeled as a tangy, so it's not too bad. And it's from Nitty, so it's free. And this is something that I've always wanted to knit for myself. And what it looks like it does is the you work the gussets on the top of the foot, and then they go back and end where you would usually like pick up stitches on the heel if you were doing a gusset and flap heel. So it's kind of neat. It sort of splits at the top and then wraps around the side of the foot. This was published in Nitty Winter 2011, which is if you think about it, January. Yeah. Really. So this was in January of 2011, so almost a full year ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember starting these socks previously back in the summer with needles that were too large for the project, but still only what I had at the time. Yeah. And I only got a little weight. I only got about two inches into the pattern and you can fit two of my feet into the sock yeah so i'm using a finer yarn this is cj kopex and this is her perplex in fairy dust fingering weight yeah it's a really fine fingering weight i keep wanting to call it purpleplex because it is a little bit of a gray lavendery yeah kind of thing and i'm having a good time with it that's good i did swatch for my evendim because that's what happens when you're doing something at the computer and you can't make something work and your husband scoots you out the way. And you're <laughs> sitting on the couch going, well, what else am I going to do? I'm going to knit. Yeah. So I pulled out one of the Cascade skeins and wound it and knit a swatch for the Evendim because I had the time. Mm-hmm. And wow, I'm kind of crazy going from something on a two millimeter needle to something for a sweater. Yeah. And worsted. And I did, as I said I would, I bought the pattern for the linen stitch scarf, the Koigu one. I should have really thought about this. I did not know that sucker was knit lengthwise. Yeah. You cast on like 420 stitches. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. I mean, at the, at, 
least I'm not going to need a pattern for when I travel, but... Yeah, You but... cast off 420 mofo stitches! Yeah, well, what you do is, you know, you just punk yourself in front of the D- TV, put on, you know, one of the Nigelic Christmas specials or something, and something yeah. that you know you enjoy, but you also don't really have to pay a lot of attention to. What, sort of like my, then... my family at Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> You enjoy them, but you don't really have to pay any attention to them. Yeah, I know. And I'm, uh, oh, I'm still going to get it for that. <laughs> I'm glad my parents don't listen to this. <laughs> and then just because this know, was every be my... every fifty stitches, put in a marker, and when you put in a marker, just start the count back at one. Yeah. And then every once in a while, count how many that. markers you have in they there. They do recommend to put in a, yeah. a marker every fifty stitches. This was going to be my plane project. Yeah. For the three hours that I'm going to be in the plane. Yeah, just cast on well before you go on vacation. Yeah, cast on well. Bef- I was going to, <laughs> I am buying myself Hell or High Water, you know, that whole apocalypse statement again. Yeah. Hell or High Water, I am getting the Knitter's Pride Dream Needles, the set, for Ooh. myself before I travel. Ooh. And I'm casting on with needles from that. So I need to get that soon. Yes. Because I travel close to mid-month. Yeah. Well, in the early 20s. Well, if you're going to, you know, if you want to go to Toronto on a certain Sunday later this month. Yes, for anybody (laughs) in the Golden Horseshoe area. Yes, the Purple Pearl is having their annual pre-Boxing Day Boxing Day sale. Where they have, I think it's a minimum of like 20% off everything. Dude. And they're going to have door crashers, and they're going to have other stuff, which is, you know, has special prices. Last year, I went, I got three skeins, I think three 50-gram skeins of lace weight cashmere. Is that pure cashmere? Yes. 100% cashmere. Dude. It normally would have been $90. It was $45. Not It was bad. half off. Not bad. It's like, yes, this is awesome. This yarn is going in my stash and it's going to be something special. You know what? But you know, if you if you want to go to Toronto for the sale this year, I'm sure we can make a trip to the store where you're planning to get those. Knit one, geek two, door crashers! Literally. Yeah, literally. We will be those Black Friday crazies. <laughs> Well, it's the right kind of store and the right kind of sale now. Mental note, bring pepper spray to... No, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding guys. Oh, dear. If, oh. I did, if I ever did that at the Purple Pearl, they would not allow me in ever again. And there's no way I would risk that. Okay, so there you go. That's me. Okay, for me, um, this past Monday, I had friends over to watch Firefly, because one of them is a geek and has never watched Firefly. And I started the Fair Isle Scarf while we were watching it. Ooh! I did make a unfortunate discovery, which is when I had been picking colors, apparently I had strayed a little too far to one side, and one of the colors is not in Shetland Spindrift. It's in Jameson's Double Knitting, so it's twice as thick. Well, oh. not as, not twice as thick. I think it's about, you know, one and a half times as thick as all the other yarn that I got. Oh. And the other not-so-good part about it is it is... I had to put a bunch of skein, a bunch of colors back. I couldn't get... I wanted to get, like, a dark, medium, light in three or four different colors in... Right. Blacks and grays, pinks, blues, and greens. I had to put back all the greens. I put back one of the lights. So I only have two light colors. Light blue and light pink. The double knitting? Is in one of those? Is the light pink. So I have one light color. You don't even have a white or something like that? Oh. No. So, at least thing is, though, I was planning to do a couple rounds or whatever, do a little bit of the scarf, and then at some point I was going to order the greens Mm. that I wanted. So when I order the greens, I'll order, and I know what color it is, and their colors are the same in each of their lines. So I'll get the the light pink. With the the purple pearls, I think it's called. No. 
Oh, they don't carry. Very few Canadian stores carry Sh- Jameson's Shetland Spindrift. It's sort of a special thing. But okay. but the place where I got the yarn from, they do have online ordering. Okay. And I know the color number, and I'll probably at the same time I'll probably get some double knitting in like a black too, so that this game that I do have of the pink, I can just make something else out of it, like mittens or something. Black and pink flamingo mittens. Yes. But so I might not be doing too much on that until I get the other color, because part of me, part of it is I want to sort of do this and enjoy figure your time. out. Yeah. Well, and also it's it's sort of a learning to try out different combinations of colors and stuff like that and it would be helpful if i had all the colors you another needed. lighter color so that i could do that but yeah so i did a little bit on that i've did i did almost done the second sort of motif very small at this point but and it's about a couple inches long and i'm doing it magic loop mm-hmm. on is the chow goo lace needles that is i it got like the harry potter where it's an enclosed tube yep Okay. Yeah, I actually, I'm doing it Magic Loop and I started it with Judy's Magic Cast on. Okay. So the bottom edge is completely closed. closed. I don't have to sew it shut later. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do about all the ends, but I might ask, you know, one of our friends who has done, like, Fair Isle sweaters and stuff. It's like, by the way, what do you about do about those ends? Do you, you know, weave them in? Or what do you do? Because I, I don't really want to weave in all the ends. And it's in a closed tube, so I don't have to worry about anyone seeing the ends. But, you know, I don't want I don't want to have really loose stitches on the outside, so. Um, I worked on the Viper Pilots at Knit Night. I think I'm almost finished the third Viper and I looked at, took a look at the Viper Pilots, the first Viper Pilot sock and I did three Vipers on the leg before doing the heel. So as soon as I finish that one, I can start the heel on it and then I am on to the foot. <laughs> And the, have and the end is soon. in sight. Yep. You will have vipers for Christmas? I don't know about that. Okay. That depends on how much time I have where I can just sit and work on them. Right. Because they require attention. So it, it will help. A week from now is our last weekend that work will be open on Sundays. Okay. So it's the last weekend where I'll be working like all through the weekend and have Monday off. So hopefully two weeks from this Sunday I will have some time off and I can do it. And then the other thing I'm mainly working on is, after getting it back from you on Knit Night, because I left my plain stockinette sock here when we recorded last week. Since then, I have done like three to four inches on the leg of my plain stockinette sock in the Socks That Rock, lightweight in the Zine colorway. I'll maybe do a few more rounds and then I'll do the cuff. So I will have one sock finished really soon. That's Mainly because awesome. I was really just working them on the bus. Yeah. Today I was working on it while watching videos of a video game playthrough on YouTube that I've gotten kind of addicted to because it's sort of like watching a movie. Yeah, so I'll, I'll soon have the plain sock done. That sock and... really wants to be finished. Yep. And it's really pretty. I really like how the colors are working out. You know, these subtle little stripes of darker color and then little one line stripes of white or brown. It looks really pretty. I like them. But that's pretty much all I've done <laughs> this week. I guess I should probably make a confession here. Yes. Uh, hi, I'm Matt. Maggie, and I'm a Pinterest junkie. Hi, Maggie. I have not... Oh, let me rephrase that. I didn't go looking for Pinterest. Mm -hmm. It found me. I have an old friend from university days that sent me a message and said, Hey, have you tried Pinterest yet? I think you would love it. Come on. Join me, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, it's another Come one. Come to the dark side. Yeah, right. We have pretties. It's another one of those sites. And like, how many of these interconnecting sites do I really need to be on? And oh, God. All right, all right. I'm coming, I'm coming. I'll follow you and we'll see. Yeah, give it a try. Give it a try. See how long this lasts. Oh, my God, there's pretties. You know how you get a new magazine and you flip through it and really just look at all the really cool pictures first? Yeah. Okay, maybe that's just what I do, but... No, yeah, that's what I do. Flip through all the really cool 
Google pictures, and that's why pictures and media, you know, the published media is so important because it grabs your attention. Oh, I want to know more about that picture. Mm -hmm. Pinterest is like nothing but pictures. Big <laughs> swaths of pictures, and you just scroll around until you find stuff. You can search, you can follow people's boards, you can search by genre and just say, I want to know about cakes. And you will bring up all all kinds of cakes and recipes and tutorials and you can organize them. I mean, really, people, you should see my office at work because I have just bulletin boards around my office and all that's really on them. Work stuff? Oh, hell no. I've got pretty <laughs> things on my bulletin boards. I've got, like, pictures of, you know, moments in history and flowers and sunsets and quotes from famous people. Work Work stuff that goes in the binders on the bookcase somewhere. And that's what these boards are like on Pinterest. So, if you're listening to this and you're not a crazy person in the stalkerish kind of way, I am Emma Salter on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to follow people <laughs> if you've got really cool stuff. So you can see more pretties. Oh my god, it's, it's addicting. Because you don't need to type in your status or what you ate for breakfast that morning for the rest of the world to know. I've got a just a, a board that's called Neato. And it, it, it's just like picture of a tiny toy. I want this toy Dalek, by the way. A picture of what looks like a toy Dalek, maybe about two inches tall, holding an ice cream cone. Cutest damn thing I've ever seen. If I had that picture, I would make a poster of it. Okay, that's the end of my spiel. Yes. I'm good. My secret's out. I'm good. So how about we move along into Geek Squeeze? Sure. And distract attention from your My junkie new fetish. Addiction. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Daleks, I've got a few little Doctor Who notes here. Burke. One of them is that there have been various reports about the possibility of a Doctor Who movie. Interesting. I've heard David Yates, a uh, director who directed the last two Harry Potter movies, he's been saying stuff about like, yes, totally, I'm going to do this, and looking for writers and stuff like that. And meanwhile, BBC and Stephen Moffat and other people involved with the actual Doctor Who TV show have been giving mixed sort of things or are not as, have been making it clear it's not quite as certain as all that. So there could be a movie, there might not be a movie. Of course, the question, of course, it begs the question, if there is a movie, how exactly are they going to deal with that. Are they going to try and fit it in the rest of the canon? Is it going to be completely separate from the rest of the Doctor Who canon? Because it sounds like at the moment, like the way they were talking about it, it doesn't sound like there's any sort of assumption at this point that it would be, you know, starring Matt Smith or whoever is the Doctor at the time that the movie comes out. It's not necessarily going to be a follow-up movie to the v TV show like, say, the X-Files movies have been or okay. Serenity was to Firefly. Okay. Or at least I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, obviously it hasn't even been written yet so who knows well what do you guys think what do you think a doctor who movie would encompass i mean is it just going to be an elaborated elongated maybe episode or is it going to be yeah. a backstory well so we plus can find two. out what the time oh find out could what the time backstory. words were like yeah it could be backstory that would be interesting i mean i've heard things where like people well i mean there's always the, the precedent of like the star trek movie the most recent one that's sort of a reboot yeah but then too i could see it being difficult if say they wanted to integrate it into the tv show just because the planning scale for tv shows versus movies is so different like movies can take years in the pre-production and then tv shows are much more immediate and fluid more like we write the season or plan the season in the hiatus and then we film it yeah it's a much faster you know idea to screen sort of 
thing. So there's not, unless you're, <laughs> supposedly, unless you're on Lost or the X-Files, supposedly, I have my doubts. But, you know, there's not as much long-term, bigger arc planning in the TV show world. Which then, if you wanted to have the movie while the TV show is running, or if you wanted to fit the movie into the TV show... Yeah, how would you do that? That becomes complicated, because then you have to say, okay, we're planning for this movie to come out, say, in two years. And this is the story, let's get the story of the movie. And then you have to work the TV show up to the movie. that point. That gets really time-sensitive and touchy. Yeah, that gets really complicated. And you have to have, if you want it, and I mean, if you want to do it, connect it with the TV show, you have to have pretty much like the current star of the show, especially for something like, it's different for something like with X-Files too, where it's, you know, it's Mulder and Scully. Like, obviously you're going to put Mulder and Scully in the movie because it's Mulder and Scully on TV, but, and they're played by the same people. Right. It's different with Doctor Who because they change Time Lords every few years. So, I mean, you kind of have to plan, okay, we're going to have the same actor playing this for this amount of time. And, you know, you have to have their contract pretty buttoned up for that length of time. Yep, all the Hollywood politics. Yeah. And then, of course, there's always the factor of, like... I mean, obviously... I mean, I'm not saying that, like, oh, they shouldn't make it because nobody'd go see it. It's like, well, duh. Tons of people are Doctor Who fans and would love to see it. Yeah. You know, it is. there is always that consideration, though, when you're making a movie of a TV series, is how do you get... How do you appeal to a wider audience who hasn't seen the TV show? And, two, like, and you gotta figure who's going to greenlight the movie, too. Because I'm sure studios are going to look at, okay, how likely do we think it is that people who are not fans of the show are going to, are going to go see it and how many fans of the show do we think there are that will go see it because i mean it's it's basically a given that a movie based on a tv show is has a certain always following. is always well it's always going to be less or almost always going to be you know less of a less of a box office draw than many other movies you think so yeah, I don't think the X-Files movies did... They didn't do really badly, but I don't think they did that great. Serenity, again, probably didn't do too badly. But, I mean, compared to compared to other movies that came out at the time... And part of it, too, is probably like, okay, what genre of TV shows gets made into movies? I mean, it's either Saturday Night Live skits that huh. get their own movies, like Wayne's World. Or, like, the only examples I can think of right now are X-Files, Serenity... Transformers. Star Trek. Star Trek is probably one of the... Ex- Exceptions, but then that too was a reboot. Hmm. So you're coming in on the ground floor. It's not like, and th- that's the other thing, you know, with Doctor Who too. It's like, okay, how do you get like, oh, I don't know, the past, what, 30, 30 years, 40 years of history with this TV show? Yeah, didn't it start in like 67? <laughs> yeah, I thought Something it was late, like that? late 60s, 35 years. So, like, you know, so how, where are you going to set the bar for how much people, background people really have to know before this movie comes out? And it's not necessarily, see, the, the fact that movies wouldn't necessarily make more, make as much as maybe other movies that don't have that background isn't necessarily a bad thing in my book it's just mainly it's a sort of thing where like you know how many studios are going to want to cater to who are going intentionally going to cater to a smaller audience a lot of the original following and fans would be parents and bordering on grandparents yeah you're going to see this movie and you're going to like it (laughs) when i was your age the doctor didn't have a sonic screwdriver he had a damn plastic hammer when i was your age we didn't have the internet to talk with other fans You had to subscribe to fanzines. You had to type out your fanfic on a typewriter, not none of them fancy computers where you can upload it to fanfic.net the next day. I saw a quote (laughs) recently that will blow... You'll, You'll be talking to your kids and you will tell them, I am older 
than the internet. And it'll be true, and it'll blow their minds. Yep, I know there's one university that does, uh, every year for their incoming class, like first year class, they do a list of, like, the worldview for those kids. Like, you know, for the incoming class this year, it would be, like, the Gulf War... Mm. Or war in the Middle East means Iraq and Afghanistan. Or war in Iraq means the one started by the U.S. in 2003. The Gulf War is as much ancient history to them as, like, the Vietnam War. Yeah. Or the Second World War. You know, or it'll say these children have always grown up in households with computers. Yes. You know, as far as they can remember in or with computers in their schools. As long as they've been alive, Windows has been a major player. Yeah. You know, they don't remember the Commodore 64. Okay. (laughs) So now that we feel old. Yeah. It's a really interesting list. I'll link it to in the show notes. It's really interesting to read. And of course, there's certain things that will be different for everybody depending on where you live and that sort of thing. But it's really interesting. And now that we've had that little digression, something more comforting. Okay. You can always listen to a bedtime story. A bedtime story? Yes. Because apparently in Britain, the BBC has a channel called CBeebies, which is apparently like a channel just for preschoolers. The programming is based around young kids. And apparently the final hour, I guess the final hour of every day is celebrities reading bedtime stories. That's cute. Which is really adorable. Recently, they had some people from Doctor Who. Yes. Reading bedtime stories. Including David Tennant. Can you just imagine that accent talking to me? Now, Imagine, what I- hell, you can look it up on YouTube. Yes, I will be doing that. <laughs> now, now, do I get to choose the bedtime story? No, Damn I think there's some recorded ones. Damn it. What sort of bedtime stories are you do thinking they, of? Do they, have them, do they have ratings, like for mommies? <laughs> they should do a separate one. Yeah. Bedtime stories for mommies. After? after the kid's gone to sleep and mommy wants to hear more of that voice? That would be a very different sort of story and they might not be comfortable reading some of that. Certainly not on that channel. Maybe on, you know, the, the Playboy network. Whatever works, Playboy. Or whatever or whatever other those those other channels are in the, well, at least for me, they're the 700s. It's like, whoa, okay, too far. Porn channels. <laughs> Back up. Yes, uh... It's like, oh, there's a porn parody of that? Back up. Speaking of, you know, naughty things, if you want to find out whether or not your stocking gets cold this year. There is an app for that. Of course. NaughtyNiceApp.com will look at all of your posts from Facebook or all of your tweets from Twitter. Mm-hmm. It will parse through all of them, diagnosing all of the words, and tell you whether or not you have been nice or naughty. And now everybody is suddenly pausing and wondering, oh crap, what did I say? <laughs> it's like, wait, how much cursing do I do on Twitter again? This is the application <laughs> that will go through and find everything you forgot. I have a feeling that Santa's naughty list just got a bit longer. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wonder what it would make of my tweet late posts. So anyways, that's NaughtyNiceApp.com. As for other things you can do on the internet, because, you know, that's... Endless. (laughs) It's in the category of killing time or generally having fun. Apparently there's been a recent Pew Research poll that says three quarters of adults go on the internet at some point in the day for no reason. Now, admittedly, when I was reading the article about this, the question they asked or the way they phrased it was people go on going on there to, again, just kill time, waste time, or just for fun. I'm putting in air quotes here. Because I think when you get in the just for fun, that starts getting into, you know, just because you go on for, just for fun, it's not necessarily the same thing as wasting time. Like, I might go on the internet and, uh, you know, double check my live journal or you might go on the internet and play, play Farmville for a few minutes. I call it decompression time. Yeah. You don't really have to think too much, but 
it's entertaining all the same. Yeah, that's not necessarily the same thing as checking your email to say, see if any of your friends have sent you email. Or for me going to live journal and seeing what my friends are up to. Or, you know, for that matter, yeah, I go on the internet and for fun, I do live journal role-playing games. But that is also, you know, kind of work. <laughs> it's fun work because it's basically writing fiction, which is still doing something and so doing somewhat productive, but there's no, you know, it's not like there's a monetary gain from it or anything like that. It's not part of my work. Yeah. So it was something I do for fun. I wouldn't categorize that as wasting time, though, or killing time. So, I mean, it depends on how the question was phrased in the survey and whether they made a distinction of that kind or what sort of other options they gave. Because, of course, if this was a multiple choice, then it's like, do you go on the internet to do work, to do research, to shop for fun? It's like, well... Well, I just made my big confession about Pinterest, so I'm well inside of that 75%. Yeah, then there's falling down the Tumblr hole or the Pinterest hole or the Wikipedia hole. Yep. Or, dear God, the TV tropes hole. <laughs> Good God. That's like a four-hour sentence of, like, you know, never your getting out. You're alive. Yeah, sending a Sherpa. <laughs> Send you a Sherpa. <laughs> to guide me out of TV tropes. And if... Sherpa and a priest, probably. If you've never heard edge. of TV tropes, one, you should count... Well, in some ways, you should count yourself lucky, because it is really fun, but, dear God, it, 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 you will fall down the hole. It's basically a site where they have, like, all kinds of different cliches in that you see in fiction in TV shows and in movies and all sorts of other things. And there's like plot tropes, there's character tropes, there's all sorts of stuff. And what would you define a trope as? A trope is a a common sort of a sort of a cliched concept. Yeah, maybe not cliché. Cliché sort of have has a negative connotation. I will say, I'll call it shorthand. Okay. Narrative shorthand. Like, one of the ones in TV tropes, they give names to all these. One of them is the crowning moment of awesome. Okay. Which is, you know, in a movie or a TV show or something where a character, you know, has been, you know, fighting for something and they have that that big moment where they get to make the big scre- speech. Neville. Yes, I was in thinking. In Deathly Hallows. Neville and Crowning Deathly moment of awesome. Yeah. You know, that moment where they just, where you just want to be like, Yeah! And, you know, they also have, like, character tropes. I'm trying to think of a couple. <laughs> you know, like, you know, the damsel in distress would be a trope. Um, most of the tropes on there are, you know, more amusingly named. <laughs> there's one, there's one, if I remember the, cre- the definition correctly, there's one called NARM, which is basically where something is, it's supposed to be, like, emotionally affecting or, like, tense or something, but it's overdone just a little too much and it becomes funny. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, what people can do is they can list, under be- each trope, they list all the different instances. It's sort of like Wikipedia. You can add, you know, okay. ones where you've seen it in, Does you Twilight know, come television. under NARM? Oh, I'm sure there's lots of... <laughs> Lots of entries. You can also look up different shows and see all the different tropes that they're mentioned in. Okay. Or that include. The problem is, is they'll be like, this one is, you know, slightly different than this trope and this trope. And they'll explain how. And I'd be like, or it can go from this trope to this trope. And, you know, basically what happens is then... In each trope, they link to the others, other kinds. Okay, and oh. then you end up opening tabs of the other kinds, and those lead to other ones. Hence the and to other ones hence and the to other slippery ones. Trope hole. Four hours later, <laughs> you're like, must close, must close, just must stop. It's three in the morning, and I haven't been to sleep yet. It's gotten in some places on the internet. If you mention TV tropes, people will be like, "Damn you." <laughs> Or they'll be they'll be saying, Don't click on that link, dear God, other people. If you have not heard of TV tropes, do not click on that link. Don't click the red button. But yes, I, I will include that in the show I will include a link to that in the show notes. You have been warned. 
Prepare to lose hours of your life that you will never get back. I just lost the game. Oh, damn it, Maggie! (laughs) Sorry, guys. And meanwhile, now, you know, somewhere out in the world, as soon as this episode goes out, there will be people at random moments going, ah, damn it! And, you know, if if you don't know what the game is... Don't worry about it. You don't want to know. Nope, you don't. If you really want to know, Google it. And then you're stuck. And then you are screwed. So, (laughs) you are warned, do not blame us. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I take full blame for that. But yeah, so that is the sort of thing that, like, yeah, okay, you can kill a lot of time on the internet doing stuff like that. But, like I said, there's different levels to having fun on the internet. Oh, and speaking of falling down website holes, rabbit holes. Is this going to be the video game one? Yes. Yes! (laughs) I also tend to fall down the YouTube hole. Yes, the YouTube hole is very I can also fall down the iTunes hole, finding, like, all these different you know, covers of different songs and stuff. And somebody who we have mentioned on the podcast before, Glenna, via Twitter, she sent me a note that on iTunes, you can get a CD put out by the London Philharmonic Orchestra of video game music. This is so cool. It is really amazing. There's a lot of stuff on there from very recent video games. Like... I think there's some from Halo on there. There's some from Call of Duty, more modern games, which is kind of interesting. But I mean, when I was looking at the the list of composers they list, a lot of those games already have movie score composers. So, I mean, a lot of it sounds like movie music. So it's not quite the same experience as some of the other tracks in the disc, which include the music from Super Mario or Tetris. (laughs) Or Angry Birds. Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) I have to admit, my favorite ones on there really are the ones where it was like the older, early, think of early Nintendo 8-bit music. Oh yeah. That you actually then hear being performed by a symphony orchestra. We thought we were the coolest things with those little gray remotes. Oh, those little gray remotes? Yeah. I remember having Donkey Kong down to a science during the, for the, for the, um, there was one level, you were in a, a mine cart. Yes. And I had it down to, like, an art as to when to make it jump and everything. But anyway, back in the days when you thought those were the amazing, that was the best graphics ever. We were listening to um, samples of the the orchestra playing the Super Mario one, and it sounds like a neat swinging kind of song. Yeah, it's a nice little swing tune. Yeah, it does. It sounds really, really cool. It does. And I'm sorry, as a designer, I've got to mention this. I really like the graphics for the front of the... Of the album. Yeah, the design on the front, the cover note. The, the, the note. soldier playing the cello that's on fire. Yes. Oh, come on. Did that not perk your interest just a little? Soldier playing a cello on fire? Come on. Yeah. I, of course, now I can't remember the exact name of the CD. I think it's just greatest video game Something music. Something like that. But if you, if you go into iTunes or if you want to hear a sample of it, go to YouTube and put in London Philharmonic Video Game Music and you will find it. Okay, so the CD is called Greatest Video Game Music. And again, that's by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And it's got... And it's got lots of really interesting music. Like I said, when I was looking at the list of composers listed for each tune, there were some that were like Hans Zimmer, Harry Gregson Williams, Greg Edmondson, who did the music for Firefly. I'm like, I recognize these names. I wonder this sounds like movie music. It's done by film score composers. But yeah, so like I said, my favorite ones, though, were the one, the old school games. And then, of course, last week I mentioned I went to see Breaking Dawn. Sparkle Pyre? Yes, the Sparkle Pyre movie. And apparently I had a much better experience than some other people. Apparently at certain parts of the movie, it's 
it's making some people have seizures. Is this because he sparkles? No. I think I know exactly what they're talking about. There's bits at the end during the vampire cesarean slash Bella's she becomes a vampire. The way it's shot, there's some stuff they're very sort of, they're very like a horror movie style filming. There's some that are very sort of disjointed jerky shots. And I think with that, with some of them, there might be a lot of light change. So it ends up having almost a strobe effect. And it induces like which can you know if things are yeah which if things strobe at a certain rate they can produce seizures and by the sound of it I think sometimes at least the couple reports that I've seen it sounds like it's not necessarily even in people who have epilepsy really yeah I think I don't think they mentioned whether the couple reports that I saw that I heard about whether that person was actually epileptic or whether it can just cause it I know there was a few years ago few years ago god this actually must have been more more than a decade ago I know there was a Japanese cartoon I think it might have been an episode of like Pokemon or something where like lots of kids had seizures watching the episode because of the strobing wow on it so I think there's I think there's even like certain rates or something where you don't need to necessarily have to have epilepsy it's just to be affected by it it might just be you might be slightly more susceptible there might be people that are more susceptible to it than others right but they don't necessarily have to have epilepsy it's just to be affected by it it is your brain basically saying I am not taking this shit yeah Whatever the stimuli is, yeah, and, and basically case, it sounds like light. it doesn't sound like a when you think of see when most people think of seizure they think of what used to be called a grand mal seizure. They have a, there's a different name for it now, where you basically people start fall to the floor and start twitching. Again, the reports I saw it wasn't that kind of seizure. It was just sort of like someone just like slumping down in their yeah. seat or something like yeah. that. So I don't know how many there there haven't been a lot of reports of this, but apparently it has happened. So Interesting. You, you might want to if. If there's anybody in our audience or who has epilepsy or who knows someone who does and might be affected by this, you know, in case, just before you go to the movie. Be warned. Yeah, it's something that you might want to be warned about. Like, I know my grandmother has epilepsy, and so when we went to see Titanic, I had to warn her beforehand. There's a part where there's, like, strobe light, and she just didn't watch that part. Okay. So, of course, like I said, this this takes place during part of the, the vampire cesarean and the turning into a vampire part. So it's stuff that you might want to look away for anyway. Because it's kind of gross. Okay. But there's our little public service announcement for this week. Now, moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, I saw a book today that I really, really want. I have had it. It was on my Christmas list anyway. I have wanted it for a while. But after seeing the book in my hot little hands, I want it bad. You got bitten really hard, did you? Yeah. Like I said, this one's on my Christmas list. If I don't get it Christmas morning, I will be ordering it Christmas day. (laughs) I keep thinking of you, like, kicking Santa in the shins and then walking off to go and Damn it, Santa! Screw you, fat man! No, I mean, like, actually, I still have Amazon gift cards left over for my birthday. Well, there you go. So I don't even have to pay for it. You know, and if I didn't get it for Christmas, I would have no problem buying with the, buying this book, even if I didn't have the gift cards already. It's called Soctopus. It's by Alice Yu, who goes by the name Soctopus online. And I swear, pretty much every sock in this book, I want to make. So the full title is Soctopus, 17 Pairs of Socks Worth Showing Off. And there are lots of really, really pretty, pretty socks. Some of them are ones she had already released on Ravelry and you could buy separately. Or I think one of the, at least one of them is was free, I think, because I'm pretty sure the Shirtigal socks were a free pattern. I have made those and a couple of our friends have made those. But there is so much pretty. And there's some nerdy names in this too. Well, I mean, the Shirtigal socks are the Dragon Rider socks that are inspired by, I think it's Aragon. There's another pair named Crowley, named after character in Supernatural. There's the Hundred Acre Wood socks. Aww. Aww. 
The Farmer McGregor socks. I love those. From Beatrix Potter. Yeah, the Fiore di Zucca. I'm probably not doing that with the right inflection, but whatever. I love those. Everything They're really those. pretty. They're sort of slightly florally looking pattern using eyelets and twisted stitches. And I have loved her patterns for quite a while. And actually probably somewhat appropriate for this time of year, there's the Mince Pie Mayhem socks. Those look fun. Yeah. Which in the book, uh, she gives a little description of, you know, what is behind the naming or the design of the pattern. And these ones have a lattice work on them, which... Is that like mince pie? Which is what she thinks it makes that think of her, like, pie crust and mince pies, which of course are a traditional Christmas treat in Britain. So the book came out in October, so we should be able to find it in places. I know Amazon has it. I've actually seen it at Amazon with two different covers, and one of them says it takes a little longer before shipping. I think there might be a British version and an American version. When you're ordering, you might just want to double check and make sure you're, you're ordering the one that will get to you fastest, or doesn't require any special pre-ordering time. I'm always amused at the images of the disembodied <gasps> legs. The Coretta Coretta socks with beads! Lace and beads! And some of these were also part of different sock clubs that she designed for. So if you weren't in those sock clubs, it's a good chance to get them. But I mean, even if I had bought one or two of the patterns in this book, I'd still be buying this book, because I still want all the other patterns. I think I've also seen the book on the Book Depository. It's bookdepository.com if you're in most of the world. Or bookdepository.co.uk if you're in Britain or that sort of area. And they have a lot of different books with some nice discounts. And they have free shipping worldwide. No way. Yes way. Wow. I actually sort of prefer them to Amazon. Though then now they have been bought out by Amazon Ooh. as of a couple months ago. Boo. I love the Hundred Acre Wood Socks. They're a little leafy pattern. You could almost think of those as trees actually. Yeah. And another really interesting is when I was looking through the book, there's a lot of different sort of techniques and stuff that she uses. So she has like, I know I saw the Channel Island cast on, Turkish cast on. There was one sock where she based it on a cat boardy technique for shaping. I don't think it was this one. But so there's a lot of different techniques and design elements. I know the cat boardy one, I think it's where you actually knit it as a tube, the foot as a tube, and then you cut one little section and knit the leg up from where you have cut it. So basically you make like, you know, closed end, tube, closed end, for the heel, and then cut and knit up the leg. That's from there. frightening to me. It has all kinds of different techniques and things you can try, and different design elements that you can try too. So it's not even just the patterns, it's also got lots of different things to them that make them unique. And I want this book so bad! <laughs> well, speaking of fun stuff... Yeah, I'll just have to wait to see if Santa brings it. Well, have you been good? No. I've been very good, thank <laughs> you so, for some more fun stuff that people might want, this was mentioned on the Made of Fail blog, I know, a couple episodes ago, but for anybody who's not heard of them, Air Swimmers. Oh my god, these things are so awesome! Now, these are, there are two kinds. One looks like a clownfish, one looks Nemo. like... Nemo! Yes, and one looks like a shark. They are balloons, not in the, you know, happy birthday kind. They are the appropriate shape, and the shark is, I'd say, what, about four feet? Four and a half Four feet? Four or five feet, yeah. And they are helium-filled <laughs> and remote-controlled, and the tails move back and forth, so they look like they are swimming through the yeah. air. It's amazing 
like, there's a video to go along with this, and you guys have to see the video, because it is amazing when you see them. It looks like they are swimming. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they should be in water. I'm not 100% sure how the controls work, but it looks like you can dip the noses down. Yeah. So it's not just, like, a blimp that floats around. You know, this thing looks like it is swimming and hunting and diving and turning, and it's crazy. And one of my favorite (laughs) parts of this video, and this is cruel and unusual, which is why I love it. Part of the advertising of this, I believe, and marketing of this was they just let somebody take these out into the city. And they were going around the shopping malls and the like subway. an office building. An office building, a subway, and they went into a dorm area. Everybody was dressed in kosher. Nobody was doing a toga party or anything like that. Yeah. But they swam the shark one into a dorm and this poor girl was in bed. She woke up to the sight of this shark <laughs> three feet from her face. And I'm sorry, just freak out. it does not matter how educated you are, how old you are. The first thing you see when you wake up is the face of Jaws. You freak the heck out. <laughs> and you don't do a freak for two seconds and then calm down. No, you freak for a full 10 to 20 seconds. Yeah, it is full flight or flight response. Yes, it is. It's it's hilarious. It's also very good to guard your goldfish. Yes. <laughs> you have to see that one for yourself. Yes, so air swimmers will probably include a link to the commercial that we're talking about. Yes. It is, and they're only... I will include a link if not embedded on yeah. the site. They're thirty nine ninety five US. Yeah. So that is way cool. Yeah. Way cool for that kind of toy. I have to admit, I just have this image in my head of going to work on a Sunday at the downtown library, which is, it has two floors, and the stairs going up to the second floor is that it's this large open sort of atrium. And then the information desk on the second floor is right in front of the stairs. There is a part of me that is so, (laughs) so tempted to get one of these things and send it upstairs on a Sunday just just to see the reaction of the upstairs staff when a shark comes swimming up the, the stairs, stairs to the to the desk. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, oh, so tempted. See, I'm not thinking of getting one and just letting it swim through the manager's meeting <laughs> at, at work. Oh, or can you imagine, like, and let it stop, I couldn't let the do shark this circle around one of the managers. Or, like, can you imagine, like, being in a meeting or something like that in front of, like, big windows? Oh, wow. And just having this thing swim by. Swim by, and whoever's not facing the windows is looking at everybody going, what? What are you guys looking what at? talking about? Can you imagine doing it at a school? <laughs> Past a school. Or a school bus. The work idea, I would get in so much crap for it. I I, I wouldn't do it because I would probably seriously get in crap for it. But I am so tempted. See, my managers would, half of my managers would want to play with it. Yeah. I would, I'd have to have the right manager working that day and have to have them in on it. If anybody already has one of these toys, the air swimmers, either the shark or the clownfish, let us know how it handles, how it works, and if you've done anything fun with it. That, that the ideas, so tempting. The ideas that could spawn from that. They gotta go for an octopus next. Have the octopus's tentacles be moving. Find, yeah, find a way to have them to have them bunch up and then push out. Oh, good. And push out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a giant squid. Somebody get on that. And one other thing that maybe someone might want to consider constructing for someone for Christmas in a workshop. On geeksoresexy.net, they had a picture of a rather special bookcase. It has a door on it that looks like a TARDIS. 
What? It was basically almost a floor-to-ceiling bookshelf, or at least the height of a regular door. So, and the front of it is painted, and there's, you know, paneling on it and everything to make it look like the front of a blue police box. Nice. And it's probably about the right height. I so saw... it looks like you have the door of a TARDIS on your wall. I saw this past week a TARDIS fridge yep. on the internet that was also... It, it left one of the panels white for um, writing on whiteboard. Yeah, but then of course you open up this bookcase and inside... In this case it was a DVD bookcase. Okay. So you open it up and inside were all the DVDs. That would be amazing. And we were just thinking earlier about like other geeky versions. What could you turn into a TARDIS? Or what could you turn into a bookcase? Yes. Or a door for that matter. Yes. Like the wardrobe to Wardrobe! <laughs> if I had a home office, I would be so tempted to do that too. Like if I had French doors, like very narrow French doors, or maybe even wider ones, and then make them look like the two halves of a wardrobe into the home office. Those specialty wardrobe doors? Yes. Even have like a little lamppost, a light that looks ah! like a lamppost in sight. <laughs> Inside. See, I would want the study from Bag End. Yes. I love I love everything about Hobbit life. Unfortunately, that's, that's harder to mount on, like, a regular door or a regular door frame. Well, yeah. Ooh, the door's the room of requirement. Oh, very good. Especially because they have those, that really, in the movies, they have that really interesting sort of swirly scroll work design on it. And you can have the Marauder's map in a frame. Yes! <laughs> Okay, so while we're going off on tangents that cover <laughs> all genres, there, this is something that we wanted to fling out there and get a response from the listeners. Yes. For the new year, there's been a suggestion for a knit-along. Now, what do you guys think would be a successful knit-along? Do you want to go with a genre, say the Sherlockian knit-along yep. that we were thinking of doing for the, you know, the show that comes out in the in the UK in January? Yeah, in which case it would be based around the theme of a TV show. And get, okay, look, using the example of Sherlock, it'd be based around Sherlock, and you would just do whatever you wanted right. for that. So you could make a Watson sweater, you could knit a deerstalker cap, you could knit yeah. all kinds of things. Or do you guys think that we should pick a pattern that would be, that would span multiple ability ranges mm -hmm. and for everybody to do it together and it should just be something of a generic geeky nature or, you know, just send us your ideas and, you know, we'll mince it out on, on the podcast and see what the uh, responses are. Yeah. Even in sort of general terms, like, do you want, should it be a specific project that everyone does the exact same thing? Should it be a general type of project, as in socks or right. stuffies or you know, plushies sort of things? or mittens or hats or whatever. You know, should it be that kind of thing? Or should it be based around a specific fandom, let's say? Yeah. Personally, I lean slightly towards the fandom thing, just because then you can participate regardless. I mean, on the one hand, if you pick, if we had a specific project, then it might encourage people to try something that maybe they hadn't tried before sort of thing. But then on the other hand, if we do it based around a fandom sort of thing, then people can do... Their comfort level. Yeah. Yeah. What they, they can design, decide on something based on their comfort level. Their comfort or level. Or their skill their, level. And their time level, because people yeah. may have the ability to knit a Watson sweater, but not the time. Or the money. So, you know, let us know. You can email us or leave a note in our Ravelry group. Send us a house elf. <laughs> Send us an owl. 
Yep. All the contact information is in the outro, in case you've never actually sat back and listened to the outro. So just forward thinking, after this episode, we will probably have two more before our break for Christmas. Yep. So our last episode will be recorded, was it the 16th or something like that? So for our last one before Christmas, we may or may not have one in between Christmas and New Year's. It just depends on scheduling and everything. Um, but our last one before Christmas will be on, we'll record it on the 17th, so hopefully it'll come out on about the 20th, 21st, around there. And then we'll have a little break, and Maggie will be off getting some sun. Getting some sun, and hopefully foisting the grandchild off onto his grandparents. Yes, so you can enjoy some Quiet. Mai Tais by the pool. I could see me at 7 o'clock. Okay, grandparents, your duty call. Here you go. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Wait a minute, this is your child, and this is my vacation. You wanted to see him? Merry Christmas. There's your Christmas gift. And then, like I said, we might have a, another episode Yep. in the week between, depending on scheduling. Think about and your New Year's... And then it will be years. 2012. Think about your New Year's resolutions, restitutions, retributions, whatever you want. Substitutions. Yeah. But think about what you might want to challenge yourself for, for the new year. And yeah, we'll see you shortly. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar for our microphone fund, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1, G-E-E-K, org. You can also comment on our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit one geek 2. Have a good week, everybody.